Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Matt Connor Whiteley, bringing you psychology news and easy to understand and engaging psychology facts. For more information and the backlist episode show notes and more information on psychology topics, please go to connorwhiteley.net and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 38 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Colin Wisely, and today's episode is on the psychology of cuteness, and it is the 12th of June 2020 as I record this. So, so moving on to the psychology news section, we're going to be looking, looking at the British Psychological Society Research Digest, and there's some very interesting art- articles, to be honest. So the first one is, Innovement in Workplace Democracy Can Alter Your Do of Authority. So, authoritarianism as a trait tends to be thought of as an enduring part of a person's personality, but can this deference to authority be changed? According to a new work in Nature Communications, it can, at least in the short term. In a studies conducted with textile workers in China and administrative staff at a university in the United States, researchers found that encouraging workers to attend weekly democratic meetings led to a significant change in the way they feel about authority, justice and participation. So I actually went into this article a bit more and it turns out that, well, quite strangely, when the Chinese workers actually went into these meetings, when they actually attended them, they had, they were actually more submissive to authority, or no, not submissive, they complied a lot more with authority because they felt as if they were listened to, which I think can easily be applied to all contexts because if you're not feeling like you're being listened to, appreciated, or valued, also known as human branding, in my case, <laughs> then you are much more likely to rebel, so that's always quite interesting. And then the next one is, I'm going to butcher this name, sorry, is so, Silibin alters brain levels of the neurotransmitter Guatemate, and this could... Ex- and this could explain why users experience ego dissolution. Recent therapeutic trials of classical psychedelic drugs such as psychobine from Magic Mushroom or LSD have reported benefits to well-being, depression and anxiety. Note, I'm not telling you you should do this in the slightest. These effects seem to be linked to a sense of ego dissolution, a disownment of the subjective boundaries between the self and the wider world. However, the neurochemistry behind these effects has been unclear. Now, a new paper published in Neuropsychopharmacology, wow, that's a big word, suggests that changes in brain levels of the neurotransmitter glutamate, I've just changed that but in pronunciation, are key to understanding reports of ego dissolution and perhaps the therapeutic effects of psychedelics. So, it's actually quite good that we now at least partly understand why psychedelics do have this beneficial, I'm going to use that term because it's what the professionals have used so it's quite interesting that now we actually know something about why these are beneficial but that's again of course the biological side is only one side of the argument and still the cognitive and social aspect should always be included in research or looked at and something that is very appropriate right now right now and i always commend the british psychological society for being quite timely in their stuff at least, when, at least in terms of the research digest, is actually, well, um, young children I believe in intervening in antisocial behaviour is the universal duty. Adults do not. 
and this can be seen today with coronavirus and the Black Lives Matter, which I would just like to say again, I it was I partly don't think I made it that that clear in the beginning of well just in last week's episode, I do stand with the Black Lives Matters. When witnessing harmful behaviour, most of us hope for intervention of some kind. If we see someone receiving abuse on public transport, for example, it's likely we want to see some action taken. Who we want to intervene in such acts, however, is more is more divisive. Some some believe social norms should be enforced by authorities, whilst others trust that responsibility should be shared amongst us all. There's all there's an automatic problem there. The diffusion of responsibility. So, yeah, so in short, bystander effect. Uh, you are much less likely to help people if there's others around. Because the problem with this is that, well, if you believe that the responsibility should be shared amongst us all, well, that will never, well, that will very rarely work because everyone will pretty much shrug it off saying, well, why am I responsible? Why can't they do something? And if that's the person that's sitting next to you. So back to the article. An interesting example of this is the discussion around policing with anti-abortionists arguing that much of the work done by the police would be better left by the communities themselves. Our politics may inform our stance. According to a new study, similar to age, the team finds older children and adults seem to tend to see norm reinforcement as the responsibility of authorities, whilst young children see it as universal. So that I think is very interesting and I think the thing to say here is that well yes it is the job of the authorities to enforce laws and everything but some things that should not be done are not in law. For example off the top of my head there aren't any examples but we all know there are some things that we think people shouldn't do but it's not in law. So I think that yes we need to let the authorities do their bit and enforce their stuff but it's also down to us as a society and as people to take responsibility and also make sure that those are held are held are held responsible. So that is it from the psychology news section. So let's move on to the very quick personal update. Moving on to the personal update for this week, it'd be very short because there's not really been any psychology related stuff and yes I am trying to make this more psychology focused this personal update because sometimes I just go off on tangent on tangents because I do so many non-psychology bits so like in terms of the only bit to do with psychology to be honest is that I had a social and um, developmental exam an introduction one which I thought was quite interesting but I think the whole online thing, and this I am going to mention because it's sort of futurist, is that, well, the whole online thing did work rather well in this case. I don't expect it to apply for everything, but I think the whole online assessment thing could be quite valid in the future because, and something I might please with is that universities were very, very quick about this. They pretty much had the infrastructure already laid out. I'm sure that's actually quite wrong, but something that I really like about universities and if anyone works at a university, I thank you because you really did do a lot of great work. Because as I understand it, and yes, I'm not, I don't have that much knowledge except what I've heard of in the news and except from friends and families that the school system, at least in the UK, was not quick whatsoever because as far as I know, no exams happened this year and I couldn't really understand why exams couldn't, couldn't have been done online for school children, for school children because Yes, you've got the disparity that some people didn't have access to the internet or such and such. 
but the schools could have made that position if they really tried. I know that was probably an awful point and quite ignorant, but quite a few people do have access to a laptop or the internet at home, so I don't know. I think schools could have been better, and this is quite a controversial point maybe, but I just think that, I don't know, to be honest, the whole point is here is just thank you, universities. And then on the only personal note that is not psychology related is that this week I've been this week I've been doing quite a lot towards my writer brand because I'm soon going to be launching a books a books for writers brand and because none of you are going to be interested in that I'll keep this bit very short but something I something else something I'm preparing for all of you because you're part of my psychology audience as as always thank you very much it is always much appreciated so. In the next week or two, I'm going to be setting up pa- um, Patreon, or Patreon for you wonderful psychology audience and listeners. So what happens is, is that for a dollar or two a month, or however much you want to pay, you get bonuses in, bonuses, and you get um, rewards for sponsoring my time and everything on the podcast on a monthly basis. For example, if you pay a certain amount, I'm still getting the details sorted you'll get discount codes maybe i'm not sure if that's one or, or like is that for the writer brand <laughs> don't know i've been doing so much like this week maybe you'll get free books for free books as they're released really do forget what i've added what i've done for the psychology bit but you've got that to look forward to this was a very quick personal update so as always if you want to contact me you can always email me at connorwhitey at connorwhitey.net or you can always tweet me on twitter at sci-fi whitey yeah, so the book that I want to highlight is my A Guide to Mental Health and Treatment Around the World, which I've got to rewrite at some point, probably when I do a second edition, because this was, God, this, yeah, they, yeah, well, like, this came out on the 21st of August I, last year, so I might think about doing an update, but to be honest, that's not something in my future, for now at least. So the book is A Guide to Mental Health and Treatment Around the World, A Global Look at Depression. So this I actually quite like this book. This was a real quite pleasure, pleasure thing. Like to be honest, uh, to be honest. So the description goes: How does culture affect people's beliefs about depression and the treatment of depression? That's the focus of this book. As we travel around the world, exploring how different cultures treat mental health, as well as the unique treatment that certain cultures have for depression. The countries or regions we'll be exploring are Japan, China, East Eastern European, Italy, Africa and uganda with reference to mental health in western societies so please join me on this journey of discovery as we explore how culture impacts global mental health knowledge is worth sharing and this book i now just reading it i do actually remember how much i enjoyed it because it was actually a really good interesting book like to read and to write right so this is available on amazon exclusively at the moment i will try and get it out to the other major ebook source so i hope you've enjoyed the personal update so let's move on to the content part of today's episode moving on to the content part of today's episode we're going to be looking at cuteness so this also includes the psychology of acuteness and i don't know to be honest it's basically any way you want to look at cuteness so i admit this is a completely random article that I found at the Psychology Today website, so it should be interesting. So cuteness is very important because it really does affect all 
really does affect all of our lives. And cuteness started in Japan. For example, you had those cats with those massive eyes. And personally, I don't find them, I don't find them that cute, but some people really do. And then it spread to East Asia, and then the idea of cuteness and cute products and everything made into the wider world. And this led to cuteness being permeating, because cuteness is everywhere. Everything from fashion, because you can have cute handbags, even though they're quite unpractical, because they're tiny, so how can you fit anything into it? Well, if there's anyone who has that um, handbag, please contact me and just tell me. <laughs> And then there were tons of other cute products for men and for women. So that's quite an interesting idea. And then you've got cute food, which is tiny. And then you've got tons of other ideas of cuteness. But cuteness is a massive idea in society. And the reason for this is because it sells. If you create a cute product, it sells a lot better compared to, well, ugly products. Because who wants an ugly product? And this is also called cuteness engineering, where a company really tries to create a cute product product to help people buy it and people just love it. But psychology still plays a massive role here like it does in all parts of life. So in terms of cuteness, psychology comes in because of Loris, which if you read Dead Elemental Psychology, is a researcher with Bolan, I've probably butchered that name, for attachment, for attachment. And yes, that and I, Lauren and Darwin, believe that cuteness was an, an adaptive behaviour because it can melt the toughest heart, as they say, as well as it can turn people into devoted care, carers or caregivers. And that's actually quite important in terms of evolution because we need to be able to become caring and just so we can look after people and ensure that the next generation survives because if a baby wasn't cute, then who would really want to look after it and and yes back in the wild times which actually sounds awful now um if there wasn't a cute baby and if nobody wanted to look after it or if no one was caring towards it that baby would probably die and the and that baby would not ensure the survival of the species so that's one way that psychology is denoting cuteness but there are some other ways for example sherman handit and cohen 2009 found that compared to a control group, when people were shown cute animal pictures and then played a game of operation, you know, that little buzzing game where you go in with tweezers and if you hit the side, it goes, it buzzes. I'm not going to make a buzz sound on this podcast. Yeah, so then they found they were more careful when playing the game. So that seems to support the evolutionary idea. And then there are a number of ways how adding more cuteness to your, to your life. This is where the article takes quite a bit, quite a weird turn is that well it does have a few benefits for example nitto in all 2012 they found something quite interesting so if you look at cute photos of animals and everything before you actually do a task that requires concentration you'd be careful and accurate if you look at those photos it actually makes you more careful and it helps with concentration and accuracy before you do that task and that i thought was really weird and quite interesting and then something else that I really quite liked was if you're admit if you're around with a really annoying person and tell there are a lot of them sometimes, especially if you go to certain places, then instead of trying to get annoyed and instead of triggering your defensive systems, if you imagine that they're cute when they're younger or you just try and imagine them as cuter, then well, it can actually bring out your empathy side. That's what the article said. 
And so that, that was a really interesting thought. So I know this was quite a whirlwind tour of acuteness, but I hope you found today's article useful. So have a great day and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you found it useful and engaging. Well, like if you want to see a show notes, backlist episodes and more information on psychology, on psychological topics, please check out connorwhitely.net. And if you want to get a free book, as well as other news about writing and psychology, then please check out. Yeah, but then please sign up for my newsletter at connorwhitely.net. Have a great week, everyone.